There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Growing Up Female with me, Connie Simmons. This is the podcast where we chat about what it's really like to grow up female behind the shiny social media profile. I'll be chatting to a whole host of young, inspirational women about race, beauty standards, periods, body shaming, sex, relationships, social media, everything it means to grow up as a female today. Hi everyone, welcome back to Growing Up Female. This week's guest is a gorgeous friend of mine. She's going to share her thoughts and feelings on becoming a mum for the first time, which I'm super excited about because her attitude towards life is brilliant. After sharing her journey as a very happy singleton traveling the world, things took an unexpected but beautiful turn, despite receiving some backlash for basically being happy and settled with her new partner, Tommy. The lovely Ashley James continues to defy the haters and share her positive outlook on life and becoming a mummy very soon. Welcome back to Growing Up Female, Ashley. Oh, I love that little intro. Thank you. You're welcome. It's true though, isn't it? Um, it's funny, isn't it? I feel like whatever you do, there's always people uh, that will give backlash. And I suppose that's why it's just important to do what makes you happy because you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, when I say backlash, I mean, I'm talking like, obviously, people are like, but I thought you said you were happy being single and now you've got a partner and all of a sudden, like, you're, you seem as if you've got this fairy tale. And what happened to you, like, preaching about being single? That's the sort of backlash I'm talking about. Yeah, it's interesting because when you talk about single positivity, I think people almost presume that it's that you never ever 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 want to meet someone and that's not it at all it's more Mm. that you kind of like live your life and aren't looking for anyone to fill a void kind of thing there isn't a void so then when you meet the right person it's even more special because your life's already so like full but it's interesting because this time last year I generally thought I was having all those kind of like limiting beliefs around my relationship status thinking like maybe I'm too much of a feminist because, and then maybe I'm a too much of a contradiction because I kind of want like an alpha male guy, but without the alpha male attitudes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe I'm too independent because I've been single at that point for six years. And, you know, all those thoughts that creep into your mind. And then, um, yeah, I went to, decided to give online dating a go and reconnected with a guy I used to work with 10 years ago. So um, it's definitely been uh unexpected journey as you said yeah but it's, it's it's amazing and I love how you say like it just feels your life an already full life right because yeah. when you were single you've worked so much on yourself and just been so happy with yourself and you know what funny enough I've been with Ricky for 10 years but when I met him I was so happy being single 
Mm. And I do really think that is so important, so key to um, being in a relationship. Yeah, but I and I think as well, you can be happy being single, but kind of still look forward to the day that you meet someone. Yeah. And I think that's where people get confused because they're like, I thought you were happy single. And it's like, well, yeah, but I'd done it for six years and I was definitely at a stage where I was like, it would be nice to meet someone now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, so speaking of me being in a relationship for 10 years, I feel like I can't give relationship advice to anyone like for 2020 like I feel so out of touch I feel like a grandma <laughs> um what like I want to get your views on being single and feeling miserable about it like how do you go about it these days and like you said you know you can learn to be happy being single but you can still look forward to meeting someone what if someone's listened to this and they're at home and they're just feeling totally miserable about single they feel like they need to be in a relationship to be happy um what what are your views and advice? I think um, basically don't be hard on yourself because the way we were brought up, like the whole of society, rom-coms, everything we watch and read, it's all kind of like this sort of love story. And mm. you do feel it's normal, I think, at times to feel like, oh my God, I'm being left behind. And I think that's um, accentuated even more in, you know, 2020, where it is much harder to meet people organically. And obviously there's lockdown restrictions. But I think the important thing to remember is that our relationship status is not permanent and it's not guaranteed because, you know, I've met Tommy, but there's nothing to stop Tommy leaving me because he meets someone else in six months, a year, two years mm. or 10 years down the line he might I might die or he might die and that's bleak but that's life mm. and you know how many people meet and then get married and then get divorced so just because you're single now and it feels like all your friends are happy of course you want your friends to be happy regardless mm. of their relationship status but don't feel like it's linear because you know you can as we all know meet someone that you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with and then suddenly you're blindsided by something totally out of your control and that relationship wasn't meant to be and you're single again. Mm. So um, I think it's trying to just realise that it's not it's not like a ladder, you know, you have to go down, go up. And, mm. and um, also I think, you know, a big thing is you're like, but I've got so much love to give. That, would be, that was, you know, what I carried mm. for a few years. I, I really want to care for someone. I've got so much love to give. I don't understand why I can't get past that kind of like initial surface thing with a guy. Um, but then I guess you can realise that love, it sounds cringy, but love is actually all around you if you invest your energy in other places. And, you know, instead of doing all these extra things for guys that you've just met, you can do that for, with your friends or, you know, mm. with family members or whoever it is. And once you kind of like stop putting all your energy into this person that doesn't even exist and then start putting it into yourself or your friends then um you kind you of feel find, fulfilled yeah you get much, much more fulfillment and do you know what that brings me to the the um you posted like not, not that long ago and it inspired me to post about my favorite chick flick he's just not that into you yeah and I feel like this was like helped me so much I think I must have watched it when I was about I don't know, 15 or something. And I also have three brothers. So it just really, that whole package of having three brothers listen to them and how they talk and then watching that movie, I was like, right, I got this. How important would you say it is to be honest with your friends when you feel they're in a toxic or one-way relationship? Do you know what? I think it's so important. And I think it's important for our friends to do that for us because mm. you have this 
you can have relationships which are very enabling because, you know, relationships can be toxic for two reasons. One, because the other person's toxic. And two, most importantly, because we can be toxic. Like we can all be toxic, but it's just really hard Mm. for us to acknowledge and admit that. Mm. So when we start kind of like ranting or feeling negative about a certain type of, whether it's a friend or a a guy uh, or, you know, some, a romantic partner, it, it's very easy for people to be like, oh my God, yeah, he is, he sounds like, he sounds awful. Yeah. And they kind of like work you up, but actually what's a better friend is for someone to be like, oh, so, you know, that's interesting. How come it makes you feel like that? Or have you talked to them about it? And, you know, trying to find someone that almost like talks you around to a more rational state of mind so that you can actually fix the problem or walk away from the problem as opposed to just Mm. someone being like, yeah, oh my God, he sounds awful. And then you get like more and more, more worked up. Yeah, 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 that's so true. I just feel like sometimes the girl knows deep down in her heart that there's something not right here and she's not being treated right, but she doesn't want to hear it from her friends and then she pushes her friends away. That for me, that's happened to me in the past. And like that was, I found that really hurtful. Um, Like how do you avoid those situations? Do you know what it is? I think it's a very like normal human trait that um, I might ring you and be like, oh my God, Connie, Tommy's just done this. How annoying. And then I start like ranting and raving to you because I want a release. And then suddenly you form a kind of negative opinion about him. And then you're like, oh my God, you should leave him. And then suddenly I'd be like, no, oh my God, but he's great. Why would you say that? And you get really defensive because you want to protect that person that you love, even if they're not necessarily right. And that's why I think it's really important to not necessarily use your friends and family as like a punch bag for things that you could communicate between yourselves and your relationship. Yeah, that's a because, really good advice. You know, it's normal that we're all going to have like niggles and frustrations, especially if you are, you know, a new relationship or you've been together a long time and you're suddenly in lockdown and you're to get like on top of each other more than you're used to it's so easy to get into that like kind of using your friends as an outlet but it's also not your friend's relationship and you know sometimes I'm sure we've all been in a situation where we feel like we're almost in that person's relationship but without the sex because you're you're like wow I know everything about it have you spoken to them about it Mm. and that's where I think it's really important not to be the enabler because the more that person thinks that they can call you up and waste an hour of your day every day Mm. so that they can they can have a vent it's like have you spoken to them about it and what's the solution like you either need to fix it or walk away from it because I can't be in your relationship with you yeah it can get can get exhausting and you feel like even the advice you give it's not taken anyway so that's definitely great advice like have you spoken to them about it and just keep encouraging that rather than and I think it is okay to say look I feel like I've given you all the advice that I have and I can't keep talking about it because it's becoming frustrating for me and I don't want to feel a certain type of way about your partner if you're not going to leave them so I really can't speak to you anymore about it and that sounds so horrible it was actually Craig David that taught me that he's a friend of mine and he was the one that said you're an you're an enabler you're allowing people to waste your time and your energy and I was like no but I want to be a good friend and I'm a good listener and I'm caring he's like but they're taking advantage of your nature because they're saying the same stuff and they're not listening to your advice therefore they're not after advice they're after just anyone like an ear uh, an earpiece (laughs) 
Yeah, no, that is so true. Craig David, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. I, I wish I heard that advice, actually, because I think I um, got into a few ruts where my relationship with my friend was affected because they I then decided started to dislike the boyfriend but really there's two people in a relationship as well isn't there um what do you think about social media because when I met Ricky again referring back to that we are going to go on to motherhood by the way but I just wanted to talk about a few things because because of the pandemic and everything as well like I'm thinking a lot of relationships might be suffering or it's just a weird time isn't it so I wanted to ask about social media do you think that has a negative effect on relationships? Like, is it acceptable for your partner to be liking girls' pictures and stuff like that? Like, where's your, where do you stand with social media and relationships? Do you know what? I think it all boils down to trust because I've definitely um, dated hashtag fuckboys where <laughs> I, I knew deep down, like my gut knew that they weren't interested. You know, they'd be making excuses as to why they couldn't see me. And let's be honest we know no matter how busy we are, if we like someone, especially in those early days, we are not too busy. So if someone's telling you they're too busy, usually that's a sign that you're not their priority because I don't know. Anyway, so when I was in those kind of relationships, it would be very one-sided. It would be me texting and not hearing back or me suggesting meeting and then making excuses. And so then you start to look at the social media because it's almost like you're not listening to your own gut instincts. You're almost like looking for proof and then you kind of become obsessed. Um, In those situations, if they're liking other girls' Instagrams, probably it's because they're not interested in you. Whereas, like, to be honest, in my relationship, I I never really look and um, I I doubt that Tommy would look either. And that's, you know, sometimes we absentmindedly like things and it's not as deep as the other person might think. but if if two people are looking, I feel like you're always going to find things because you're looking from your own perspective or from your own insecurities. Um, and I think when you feel like that, usually it's either some because you have to work on yourself and remind yourself that your current person isn't your past. So if you've been cheated on and, you know, that's kind of like, in a way, your responsibility to try and manage so that you're not going to taint a new relationship with old mm. insecurities and experiences. But also, you know, if I, th- I, th- I think it just comes down to like the energy and the communication that you're giving each other because, you know, if if you feel loved and trusted and secure, then you shouldn't really be needing to check up on people because I would hate it if Tommy went through my phone or my Instagram and not that there's anything there, but it's like a huge betrayal of trust. Yeah, and I think it works both ways because, yeah. you know, relationships aren't meant to be like restrictive they're meant to be enhancing Mm. and we're not children you know like none of us want to be supervised so why would we want our partner to supervise us they Mm. should just trust that we're like we're doing okay saying I just think you like this person's photo and I'm just like I don't even know how you see how other people like what other people like there's like is there some sort of page but there's, there's there's relationships where it's just constantly like that and it's just really I think as well if someone does do it you know we're all human like we all go through stages where we feel insecure and it might be that something as simple as like your partner's so busy and stressed at work that they might be being emotionally distant and so then you're kind of like looking into a reason like why are they being emotionally distant maybe they've met someone and then you're kind of almost trying to find proof Mm. to 
to like justify your perspective. Whereas actually, if you were like, hey, babe, like, I feel like you're being a bit distant. And like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm just like being insecure about it, but can we talk about it? What's going on? Have you got stuff on your mind? Is there anything with me? And then it might be that it's just that your love languages are different or, you know, they've been so focused on something else and then you talk about it and then you feel good but I feel like no good ever comes of being the detective in a relationship yeah for sure do you know what it's so true like communication how important is communication by the way do you know what there's this really interesting um thing that I did in my coaching and so I've I've trained to be an empowerment coach and it's all around not trying not to take things personally but also trying not to get so angry with someone that's wronged you so whether that's a friend or a family member or a, a relationship, because do you know that, like, do you remember that, what was it, like a shirt or a pair of shoes where it was like, is it blue or is it grey or something like that? Oh, and, yeah, it was a dress, wasn't it? And everyone was split 50-50. And they're saying that that is the situation with, like, most times when people fall out, it's because one person sees blue and one person sees grey. And actually, neither of those things are necessarily wrong it's just that you're both coming at things with totally different perspectives and experiences and life lessons and everything else so sometimes you can have the best intentions but it's totally miscommunicated to the other person no I think some some people are scared of confrontation um so like scared that it could turn into something that they didn't intend for it to turn into if that makes sense yeah I know I've got friends that like literally will just get on with it and just go go with it and go with it and just brush it onto the carpet because they just can't they get so anxious about confronting the partner even though it's not confrontation it's communication yeah and I think the problem is when you brush things under the carpet eventually it's going to come out and be even bigger than what it would have yeah. been if you dealt yeah. with it and that's more likely to cause a confrontation because then you're probably more likely to attack someone's entire character yeah (laughs) and yeah that's never good um so in this pandemic has there been more breakups is there more like single people now like what do you know Ashley like are you you getting messages from people or I feel like there's definitely a lot of breakups I don't know if there's more than ever but I guess people are probably feeling it more because of the situation but look I guess like there's a lot of couples who might not have been right for each other but they were so distracted in their everyday lives um and then suddenly they're living together but also you know as humans we're not meant to be living isolated you know, where where mammals are like, mm. you know, we're, we're meant to be in packs. It's not normal that we can't hang out with friends and family members. And so, it, of course, it is putting a lot of strain on relationships. So I've definitely had a lot of messages about people feeling very lost because they're going through breakups and suddenly they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? But I think it's such a great time for for growth and for looking at yourself and what parts of you you want to change and develop and also like thinking about the red flags like you know the people that you don't want to attract and basically getting the chance to be a little bit more pickier with who you date for sure I mean what how do you date in a pandemic especially when you can't bloody meet up unless Um, you're outside like are we doing zoom dates is that a thing yeah, and I guess there's like an almost like old school romance to that, isn't there? You hear about people doing these kind of like 
um, dates watching the same film on a Friday or whatever it is. But um, I guess it's still sort of possible, isn't it? Because you can meet up and go for a walk outside or you can sit yeah, outside in a pub, like in heat, like with heaters. So um, yeah, I think, I guess, you know, it still is possible. And I guess it would it would really stress how much someone's keen to meet you because you obviously have to go that little bit, you know, a little you have to make a little bit more effort because you can't just you know turn up anywhere and then meet your friends after and just kill two birds with one stone you really have to you know plan to meet that person yeah and I feel like it might like rule out some of the fuck boys earlier on because if they're constantly busy you're like wait a minute you're you're literally not allowed to meet anyone what are you <laughs> what are you busy with <laughs> so true right let's move on to motherhood yeah um how are you feeling? You've only got about, what, 10 weeks to go? 10 weeks to go or nine and a half weeks, whatever it is. Yeah, how exciting. Um, do you know what? I've loved it. I feel great. Like, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about how awful it is to be pregnant during the pandemic. And for sure, there's definitely some, like, real scary parts of it, which I really empathise with for example people not being partners not being able to go to scans or the early parts of labor Mm. and I think that's absolutely outrageous I think if we had a Mm. female government those kind of decisions would not have been made Mm. and I do find it outrageous that Boris Johnson himself well his partner gave birth during the pandemic but because they went private he was allowed in the in every part of labor but you'd think that he'd have a heart to be like do you know what I don't want any woman to have to go through that on her own because it's like horrible for the not only the like the person giving birth but also the like the partner because imagine how terrified they'd be like just waiting outside while labor's happening um I know people that have done that I know someone that get pretty much gave birth in the car park because she really didn't want to be on her own it's mad isn't it I keep threatening to do that if uh if the (laughs) things change luckily with my hospital as it stands um Tommy is allowed in for all of it but then he has like quite strict visiting hours for postnatal but um but do you know what um I do feel like there's a lot of good things about being pregnant in a pandemic as well so from my own personal experience I'm obviously like not DJing and a lot of like you know, my, my work, um, isn't happening, but it means that I'm at home more, which has allowed me to like actually listen to my body and be able to rest. Mm. Um, and also because Tommy's working from home rather than being in an office, he can actually help if I'm struggling throughout the day. And there's less FOMO because like no one's allowed to go out. (laughs) So you don't, you know, you don't have to feel bad if you're just like knackered at the end of the day and want to watch Netflix um so I think there's like pros and cons to everything obviously I'm pretty gutted my parents live in the northeast and I haven't been able to see them this year um and I I, I feel bad that you know my mum's kind of missed my whole pregnancy journey but I think you know in life there's always going to be pros and cons to everything and it's just your mindset like anytime I start to worry or panic or feel afraid about anything I'm like is this going to help me? Is this going to change the outcome? No. And I stop myself and I'm like, I'm just going to live in the present. Like, you know, what's good about today? The good thing about today is I don't have to leave the house. So everything I do, I can do in my own time. So, um, yeah, I think I love speaking to you (laughs) (laughs) cause you like make me focus on, right. You know, what can you do rather than what can't? Yeah. And I think as humans, you know, where we've, 
we've got that mammal brain. So back from when we were cavemen, we, we were always in fight or flight mode because, you know, we could leave the cave and get eaten by a tiger. So it's in our evolution that we still have that fight or flight mode in us. So humans spend 70% of their time in stress mode, even if they're not aware of it. And um, the difference is obviously that these days there's no tigers. So we call them paper tigers because it's just like things that we almost that our brain is trying to invent to worry about so that we stay in this fight or flight mode because, you know, it might be like, oh my God, what if my partner's not allowed into like the the room when I give birth? But that's an imagined future because the future actually hasn't happened yet. So until you're in that moment, worrying about it or panicking about it actually isn't going to change the outcome of of it because it's in the future we don't know so it might be bad but it might be great and uh I just keep thinking you know no matter what happens we're in good hands we're so lucky that we're in the UK we get free healthcare. so even though I'd be like devastated if Tommy wasn't able to join until the actual birth part you know at least I'm not going to be lumbered with some like tens of thousands of pound bill like I might be in America if I were to give yeah. birth you know so yeah sure. you just kind of got to look on the bright side of everything and like I can't stress enough how important it is to stay calm when you're in labor and like leading up to it like your body can feel that stress yeah um, and I just felt like staying calm and hypnobirthing really helped me but um, that just, I think, really helped with my labour and that whole that whole situation. Do you know what? I'm just really looking forward to the birth. I know that like that's a bit weird, but I just can't wait because I feel I like did. I was the same as you. Yeah, I'm just so excited to like kind of. I feel like it's a little. I know it's not like running a marathon, but I've run two marathons, and I feel like it is that kind of thing where you're waiting to run, and you're kind of like, oh my god, I'm going to be running for the next four five hours whatever it is and it's going to be horrible but you know that there's like an end goal and then you know when you get through that finish line you feel so proud of yourself and everything you've achieved and even for like pushing through pain and um, you kind of get that glory and I do feel like it's obviously similar to childbirth apart from a childbirth you get to meet like the love of your life at the end of it and it's like such a blessing to get like to be able to go through that and also what I find really interesting is I was very much like, I want to have a natural birth. I think, you know, that's what we're made to do. I want it to be really natural. And then I start to research it. And actually a lot of the kind of expectation on women to have a natural birth and, you know, why so many of us would feel guilty for accepting pain relief or C-sections or whatever it might be is because back in the day, obviously everything was kind of like dictated by religion. And the Bible says, because... Eve ate the apple she needs to be punished therefore childbirth should be painful and obviously a lot of scientists well all of scientists and doctors back then were men so they were like a woman needs to go through this because it's you know it's what's done and it's her punishment from Eve but actually when you look at any other type of pain like you break your leg or hit your head or whatever it might be yeah you take pain relief and there's like science to you know medicine and whatever it might be to to give you so that you don't have to go through that no one's saying to a guy who breaks his ankle in football you know you need to go through this it's nature (laughs) this men have been men have been doing this like doing this for years you're like no I'm gonna put you to sleep so I feel like 
it's actually given me a bit more power to know that actually we don't fail if we give birth in the way that is comfortable for us Mm. because it's actually not really normal to expect anyone to go through that level of pain and so you know if I can do it great but I'm not going to be a martyr and I'm not going to put myself through trauma I don't know how it's going to be because I've got quite severe pelvic girdle pain so obviously my hips and my lower back and um, my pelvic floor are already like so sore that you know, if I if I get through labour and I have a natural childbirth, great. But I'm not going to suffer for it. I'm not going to no, feel. No, try and enjoy the process. Yeah. Like, so... I, I I um I didn't I don't think the pelvic girdle didn't even come to my mind. I think the the contractions will take over. Um, but for me, I my contractions were every minute. Um, so from the start, so quite quick, and my labour all in total was eight hours, but that's like literally from the first contraction to when she was born um so labor is usually from when you're seven centimeters and my labor was only about four hours um and I think that's because like she was quite low I don't really know why but I ended up having an epidural I wanted a water birth and all of that as well and then I ended up having an epidural because my blood pressure was high and they they insisted that it would bring my blood pressure down so I was like right okay and when I did took the epidural oh my god I'm so glad I did it only worked on half of my body on one side so I felt I felt the labor on one side and not on the other very strange I know um but for me I enjoyed the process I'm not worried about giving birth again um for me the pregnancy was more of a struggle because of the perfect girdle than the the labor itself so um yeah hopefully that helps yeah, I'm I'm just really excited. I'm actually not afraid at all and I kind of just like I'm so looking forward to meeting him now. It's yeah. just crazy that, you know, this time last year I was still thinking that I might never meet someone and I definitely thought that I'd never want children. So even when I found out I was pregnant That is amazing. Yeah, I guess it just shows that, you know, you never really know what life is gonna like throw at you, but also like it's kind of made me realise that what you think last year or now or 10 years ago or in the future isn't necessarily what you're going to think for life because mm. I was always like no I want to adopt if I ever have children but I just I just was like no it's not for me like I just it, it doesn't interest me so now when I became pregnant I was like oh my god it's like this whole new world to learn about and I'm so excited and I actually can't imagine that yeah that only a year ago I I didn't want I children <laughs> I can't I, I can't remember Ashley as uh, as you know, actually, he wasn't pregnant. Like, I just love who you're becoming. Aww. And I feel like it really suits you. And I feel like you have such a motherly, um, nurturing way about you, which I don't know if you realise that, but you, you have a really calming effect. And I just think you're going to be such an amazing mum. Thank so you, I, I hope so. so. You will, you will. You'll be incredible. And um, so I'm so glad that, like, obviously you're excited and you know how much of a, of a gift it is. But... Um, I think that I think that um yeah I think this will just you know for me it made me an even better person like I became so much more patient and so much more considerate and so much more thoughtful of others and less judgmental and opinionated and so many things I didn't know it just I feel like it I I feel like it made me a better person so I'm I'm excited for you. Thank you. Do you know what's really interesting? How you're saying that you feel like you became less judgmental and stuff. I've realised that 
there's so much internalized misogyny in women because I feel like for those who aren't pregnant or aren't mums or have no interest, aka me last year, mm. there is that kind of like almost like animosity or impatience. Not obviously not everyone. There's a lot of like amazing humans. Um <laughs> yeah. but I was I was I was very much like, you know, if I had screaming children or something, I'd be like, oh, why won't they yeah. keep them quiet or whatever it might be. And there is that kind of like I don't know, rather than me being like, wow, that, you know, let me see if that mum needs help. She must be struggling. It was very much like, oh, the mums as if they're like this different breed. But also I've noticed it with pregnancy, you know, like so many women have said to me, oh, I'm having a C-section or I had a C-section. So my vagina is still intact. I didn't want a loose vagina. And there's this whole like thing about how our value is around our vagina. And like, number one, you can have a natural childbirth, as you know, and like our vaginas are made to widen and go back to normality but there's that it is obviously this kind of like patriarchal ideal that we are defined by having a tight vagina and I've also had like even a friend of mine be like oh I I didn't breastfeed because it it felt dirty I didn't want it just I didn't want a child sucking on my boobs and it just felt dirty to me and I was like oh my gosh that's such a like kind of like man attitude you know that you yeah, couldn't yeah, even yeah. you couldn't even breastfeed because you felt like it was dirty she sex- because- yeah it's sex- she sexualized it as well like it's not just men some women feel like it's a sexual thing rather than their boobs are a sexual thing rather than a natural thing yeah and I guess there's that kind of um you know like judgment of each other for the choices that we make and I, I you know I I guess that that's in motherhood and also in pregnancy you know there's Mm. for every decision you make there's other women being like oh well I wouldn't have done that or oh my god have you seen how she's doing it and I feel like we we just need to like be much more supportive of each other and like trust that we're doing the best that we can for what we want out of something exactly and do you know that goes with the question I basically um posted about how I felt in the first initial weeks of motherhood it wasn't yeah I saw like, that it wasn't how I expected to feel like I'm such a maternal person I I'm different to you in the sense that I always wanted to have kids like I've always wanted four kids since I can remember and uh, my nan's got eight my mum's one of eight and my mum's had four so there's just lots of maternal women around me and so I thought it's going to be you know I'm, I'm just it's just going to be I'm going to be like Mary Bloody Poppins and it wasn't it wasn't what I expected it was a lot harder my hormones were a lot crazier than I expected my auntie told me about the baby blues but I didn't really take them seriously because I wasn't someone that had ever suffered from any sort of depression or anxiety my whole life I've always been very confident and never suffered from mental health until I had a baby and I I said to my mum yesterday actually I think I was very close to postnatal depression um but I had such good support around me Ricky's a great hands-on partner that to come out of it and I never expected to be the person to say that anyway so I feel like it's important for me to be honest and real social media and it's just who I am anyway and I got a lot of thanks for it because a lot of mums felt the same. And I also got someone saying to me that I'm actually making feel making women feel like they're not capable and that motherhood is something that women actually can't do and they're, you know, they're not able to do and that their sister's a mum and she never moans, so I should stop moaning. 
what would oh. you what do you what's your views now are you going to be one of those on are you going to be honest or like you know if it if you do find it a breeze you're gonna you know what 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 are your views on that my view with life whether it's to do with pregnancy motherhood or anything is to be authentic and I will never ever make out that I'm okay or that things are okay if they're not and what I've realized is I kind of touched on it earlier but especially on the internet everyone is kind of battling their own demons and insecurities and everyone has different triggers and everyone has different values and everyone thinks that they could do things different ways or wants Mm. want to give share people share their experiences to try and help other people but ultimately we are all so different and so if you said I found motherhood a doddle in the beginning. There'd be people that were triggered by that and would be like, it's not easy for everyone. And equally, if you say, like you said, it was really difficult and you didn't realise how much of a challenge it would be, it was going to be, there'll be people that will troll you as well. And that's why we just have to be as authentic as we can and not worry about anyone, even when it's people that we know, because, you know, how many people do we have around us that are triggered by different things or have different outlooks and views? And I think that's why it's so important to try and not take anything personally, but also to know your boundaries. And if it is someone that's close to you that is making you feel anxious or uh, depressed or whatever it might be because they're trying to constantly either micromanage you or tell you what you should be doing or tell you what you're doing wrong, you're entitled to say, look, that like I, I, I can't have you doing that. It's not helpful to me. Um, and you know, online, I, I love, I loved your post. I thought it was so powerful. And sadly, there's always going to be people who disagree with anything. So I think mm. it's just kind of, oh, you always have to feel sorry for that person because you're yeah. like, you're like, do you know what? That was my truth, and I'm not going to apologise for my truth in the same way that I don't need to apologise for my opinion unless it's offensive to others. Mm. Um, yeah, you're right. Because also, you know, I, it's just I, like I, being. I actually, I actually uh, said to her that was my experience in my journey she basically told me to stop scaring people um stop scaring putting people off having children I was like 90% of the time I you can see that I'm loving motherhood and loving being Macy's mum funny but also I bet it helped a lot more it would have helped oh, a lot for sure for sure and I saw a friend yesterday her son's um about 16 months now and she said to me that she's only recently in the last couple of months felt like she really loved him and she was like I know that probably sounds awful like I just didn't enjoy it and I would panic I was doing it wrong and I just felt like I didn't connect and she said in the last couple of weeks um, or months she's just felt this like new surge of love for him and she's Mm. connected to him and I thought I, I was like do you know what that that's how people feel and there are baby blues and there is postnatal depression and there are people who you know don't feel like they can connect straight away and that's normal and that's okay and it doesn't make you a bad person but it's for me it's almost reassuring to know that wow like now she now she loves him so you know I don't know how I'll feel when that my baby boy comes along but it's it's reassuring for me to know that if I am feeling lost or helpless or I have mum guilt or I feel like I can't connect like oh other people have got through that as opposed to everyone pretending that life's perfect yeah for sure my my love definitely grew for Macy and I think in the initial like I'd say three months 
I um it, I was just in survival mode and it was more about keeping her alive and ke- I felt like keeping me alive but everyone was keeping, everyone was looking after me while I was looking after her and I was quite control freak I didn't want to go and have a nap because I wanted to watch her while she napped in case anything happened because only I was capable of watching her you know I had this like weird control like it's weird what it does to you but it's your baby you know and I'm so protective of her yet I didn't feel besotted by her initially it's really weird yeah and I think a lot of people say at the beginning you know that the, obviously the baby isn't really reacting to anything so mm. until they can start to like laugh or show some personality a lot of people do feel like oh my god there's just this thing yeah. that doesn't react through, to anything I do and you've gone through so much pain and discomfort and and then you're and then this now this baby is causing you sleepless nights like it's really hard to get your head around like you know, you're, you, you know, you're, you're absolutely exhausted. Your body is sore. My body was really sore. I had to go through like for, for an operation after I get, gave birth. So I was like trying to repair and I was so exhausted. I was just like, how is this fun? How can I enjoy this? When is, when is this going to become, you know, the love bubble that everyone talks about? But, it, you know, I got there and you just, you get through it. Yeah. Um, so I remember you saying to me before that you're not really um, one to read books and like go to these classes and you kind of just going to go with it. Yeah. That would so scare some people. Why does that approach work for you? Um, I look, I, I definitely think that there's, there's definitely, I can understand why for some people they feel like they need that reassurance or they need that knowledge. But I think there's also and sometimes over researching can be anxiety inducing it's a little bit like when you fall ill and you start you go on google and suddenly you think you've got a brain tumor when actually it's a cold and um (laughs) like for me I I, I'm I love like being prepared and I love researching and so you know I've I've packed my hospital bag or I've almost packed my hospital bag and I'm only 30 weeks so in certain elements I'm well researched and I'm prepared but I don't want to, I feel like, you know, it's, I don't want to become like overly neurotic about things and thinking of every worst case scenario. I'd rather just kind of go with the flow. And that's kind of like my attitude to life, you know, like when I, when I go traveling, whether that's solo traveling or with friends, I don't want, I don't want a whole itinerary before I even go. Or when I ran the marathon, I didn't follow like a set training plan. I just kind of like to throw myself into things and Mm. just like, go with the flow, trust my instinct, trust my body. Do you enjoy um, it more that way rather than it being regimented? Yeah, I feel like organised fun is not fun for me. So, yeah. like, if I was to go on holiday and it's already all planned, it's like, how do I know what meal... It's like when you go for to a restaurant for, like, I don't know, like a group dinner and they're like, oh, can you pick your meal now? But it's in a month's time. And it's like, how do I know what, <laughs> how do I, know what I want in a month? Oh, no. um, so that's kind of like my attitude to life, really. Like, you know, when I go traveling, I'll usually book the flights and then maybe the first night of accommodation. And then I kind of just go with the flow because you don't want to end up, you can research and research and research, but until you're there, you, it might not be the best option. So even things like birth plans, you know, like for me, I don't want to be like, I definitely don't want this. And then suddenly on the day, it's probably like the best thing for me. But I'm like, but that's not my plan. That's not yeah. my plan. So, um, you know, I kind of like know the basics. Like I know that I want um, baby to have a vitamin K injection. I know that I want my placenta store. But other than that, 
I'm like very relaxed. Like if I need an epidural, I'll have an epidural. If I need a C-section, I'll have a C-section. If you know, my plan, my rough plan is I w- I'd love to give birth naturally, but if anything happens and goes wrong, like I'm just going to go with the flow. Yeah, and just trust their opinion and their advice. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a good attitude to have going into labour because it's just a lot more calm. Um, for sure, like definitely, I think if you're so regimented and you're fixated on this plan, it doesn't go to plan. You're not, you're not, you're just going to feel disappointed throughout the whole labour. And I just don't think that that's how you want to feel when you're giving birth. But equally, I feel like, you know, everyone's so different. And for some people, like traveling the way I travel might be the most like, anxiety inducing thing for yeah, them. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I true. feel like everybody can kind of do, do what, what they want. Really. But I do think for me, like, yeah, if you start to look at every worst case scenario, then it's probably not going to put you in the best mindset. Mm-hmm, for sure. So after, I don't know if you've thought this far ahead, but I want to talk really quickly about postpartum body because you're a great advocate for like body confidence. Um, you have the most sensational pregnant body, might may I add. You Thank look you. incredible. I know, I know you're sore and stuff and some days you don't always feel it but you look so good Ashley honestly thank you amazing how how are you expecting to feel afterwards do you think do you know have you thought about it much um do you know what I try not to really overthink anything but my whole attitude to life and you know once I got out of that kind of like diet culture and I started to work on myself I actually realized that once I started eating carbs again after not eating them for years, like I didn't actually put on any weight or much weight if I did, because your body needs carbs to function. You know, we have this kind of like, Oh my God, if I eat bread, I'll get fat or whatever it is. But actually I've kind of learned to love my body no matter what size it is. And, but exercise makes me feel good. But the difference is I work out because I like to move my body and because it makes me feel good mentally as opposed to, oh my God, I need, I used to go to the gym when I was younger and basically like run on a treadmill for an hour and a half because I didn't know what else to do, but I had to go Mm. to the gym and it was this like punishment. Whereas now, Mm. like throughout pregnancy, um, I work out when I can be bothered because I know it'll make me feel better and I like, I enjoy the workouts that I do. And I think that'll be my attitude after as well. And yeah, that's great. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, how, you know, what's your tip for avoiding stretch marks or what's your tip for yeah. not tearing or any of that? And I feel like there isn't really any tips. Like if you're eating as well as you can, exercising as much as feels good for you, again, not overexerting yourself and moisturizing, like that's drinking water that's really all you can do and all our bodies are so different you know our bump sizes are different and that's kind of like my attitude for after I don't really have any set plans because I've never pushed a baby out of my vagina Mm. before I don't know how much pain I'm going to be in I don't know if my pelvic girdle pain will go away like some mums say it does or whether it'll hang around and I'm certainly not going to feel any type of pressure to put my body through any unnecessary pain when it's already been through such a big thing but I also know that for my mental health as soon as I can get back to exercise that would be great but it's certainly not because I want to like punish my body or like snap back or anything like that but of course I want to feel like 
me again but I've I'm I'm also kind of accept and also I'm accepting that my body's changed and I've actually loved watching the process of my body changing the only thing I've really struggled with is because I've always had such big boobs and it took me so long to learn to love my body because of you know like being over sexualized as a well child basically from 14 and you know being judged or um, learning how to dress with big boobs so that you kind of don't look like a prude but don't look like you're charging for sex or you know like there's all this like kind of like sexism around people with big boobs but I yeah. kind of like learned to grow really confident and empowered with it and so when my boobs grew five sizes and obviously they're still growing as they're preparing to breastfeed I did find that hard because it was almost like I was having to like learn to accept a new body with like <laughs> it kind of like Ooh. brought up more insecurities and that's the only thing that occasionally I worry about is breastfeeding in public because I know a lot of women uh find it difficult to deal with like the judgments or remarks that people give but I feel like once you're above a d-cup even wearing a vest top offends people because they yeah. think that you've got your tits yeah. out or whatever it is so I feel like breastfeeding when you're you know, a double G I am at the moment. And mm. I feel like that's, people almost see boobs above a D cup as like sexual property. Mm. No, I agree. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm an air double F. No, I'm a 34 G. Oh yeah, similar. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're getting smaller as I'm, as Macy's getting older, I guess like it's taken a while for my body to lose the water and like the hormones to level out and I'm now exercising more as well so I'm probably losing a little bit of weight but yeah I totally get how you feel like I've never been comfortable wearing low tops or strappy tops um since bloody hell since for a long time for the same reason so I know how you feel yeah but then it's like what I said earlier it's just like putting my mind back into that mentality of like worrying about it is not going to change it but also it's my body and if other people have a problem with that that's on them mm. not me yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah don't, don't let it stop you from breastfeeding and like just doing you if breastfeeding is what you want to do you know yeah um yeah I've loved speaking to you um I'm so glad you're an empowerment coach because you're it's empowering listening to your views and the confidence you have in your decisions is um something I think every listener can take from this podcast episode so thank you so much Ashley thank you that's so nice um just to end it um what piece of advice have you valued the most whilst being pregnant and also what piece of advice would you give the single ladies out there in this pandemic um so the best piece of advice about being pregnant would be don't listen to advice (laughs) (laughs) Uh, unless unless you specifically need it and ask for it otherwise just tune it out and don't be afraid to speak up if someone keeps giving you unsolicited advice that you're allowed Mm. to be like you're actually stressing me out like I I know it comes from a lovely place but do you mind not giving me that advice unless I ask for it Mm. um and my advice to anyone who's single is just remember that you're not going to be single forever imagine if you met the love of your life in three years time how would you want to live your life between now and then Mm. and also remember that just because people are in relationships now it doesn't mean that they will be in relationships forever so therefore 
don't feel like you're being left behind because it's not a race love that thank you so much Ashley thank you thank you take care you too lovely nice to speak to you The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and maybe even share with a friend if you think they could benefit from listening to Growing Up Female. I'll be back next Wednesday with another amazing female. See you then. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.